0: can't be neutral on the moving train i told y'all before you can't believe everything that your teacher tell you And that intro is an excerpt from the song Writings on Disobedience and Democracy by Vinnie Pass. Welcome to You Can't Be Neutral, a political podcast inspired by Howard Zinn and progressive and radical activism, taking a look at society, media, and politics. You can follow You Can't Be Neutral on Twitter at YCB Neutral. And you can find out more at YouCan'tBeNeutral.com where you'll find all the back episodes, as well as some links. You can find a link there to send me a message. You'll also find some links there to make a donation to keep this podcast and all my podcasts free and independent. First up, this episode is a piece published by Juan Cole at JuanCole.com. What would the United States be like if it was like Israel? After the most recent election is held, the president comes out and says that settling North America is the exclusive privilege of white Christians. He is determined to make some parts of the U.S. whiter and more Christian by giving incentives for people to move there. He names Detroit and the south side of Chicago, the state of Hawaii, the Cherokee, Chicksaw, Choctaw, Creek, and Seminole oil-rich lands, In Oklahoma only white Christians are allowed to be cabinet secretaries and congressional majority and minority leaders non-white non-christians like Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar are expelled from the house for their inflammatory speeches questioning white privilege the citizenship rights of all Native Americans outside the original 13 colonies are revoked and they are put under martial law in this future Christian Zionist America, the U.S. has invaded Canada and occupied British Columbia, including Vancouver and the Great Bear Rainforest, a First Nations reserve. That is another place the President says there have to be more white Christian people, displacing the Wiknux Nation, and the Heltsuk Nation, the Haida Nation, and other First Nations tribes. Vancouver residents from Hong Kong have their citizenship revoked and are expelled back to China. Washington state is now connected to Alaska, which the president maintains is necessary to the security of the U.S., given that you can see Russia from there. The U.S. Army goes back to using conscription to have enough troops to patrol Vancouver and the rest of the province. The new president then announces that ultimately British Columbia will be formally annexed to the United States, making the 51st state, and renamed White Columbia. He says, however, that Washington only wants the land and real estate, and that the British Columbians will never be given U.S. citizenship. Ottawa's vehement protests against this Yankee land grab are disregarded, and Canada is reminded of the U.S. nuclear arsenal. Washington vows that Canada will never be allowed to have a nuclear program of its own. When armed gangs from Vancouver manage to fire some rockets at Seattle, the U.S. Air Force scrambles F-18s and bombs the city, bringing down apartment buildings. People in Kitsilano are called and given an hour to get out of their homes before they are bombed. The U.S. also bombs the airport and stops any flights out of Vancouver, and forbids people in british columbia to go out in fishing boats since they pose a security hazard what with being able to see russia and all the president appoints the head of the southern baptist convention to oversee christianity in the united states and to decide who is a white christian only southern baptists are considered christians methodists presbyterians and roman catholics are declared ineligible To have Christian written on their identity cards. They can be American citizens, just as non whites can, but they are second class citizens. The new president declares that white Christian businesses don't have to serve gay people or trans people or single women who are dressed indecently and in the company of unrelated men. One of his cabinet secretaries suggests that the white Christian physicians shouldn't have to treat gays either. The President of Christian Zionist America declares that all oppressed white Christians around the world, such as the Afrikaners in South Africa and the Germans in Brazil, are free to come to the United States and will be given citizenship immediately. They would be wise to become Southern Baptists and get properly baptized on arrival, though. They will be given government help to appropriate resources from non-whites and non-Christians, especially in First Nation reserves in British Columbia and in Asian-majority neighborhoods in Hawaii and Los Angeles. Stamps are issued honoring Dylan Roof, who shot down African-Americans, and Wade Michael Page, who shot down U.S. Sikhs. Both inside the U.S. and in its occupied territory in the Northwest, 33 million settlers, 10% of the population, will be mobilized to establish apartment complexes in these places. Only white Christians will be allowed to live in them, will be built on land confiscated from its present owners the white Christian settlers will be allowed to walk around with assault rifles and defend themselves from any attacks from the angry owners of the land and other resources that the settlers have just helped themselves to any local non-white person who makes a fuss about all these outsiders moving in and taking their land and petroleum will be put in federal penitentiary and kept in solitary without charge or trial for as long as the local white Christian sheriff wants. This includes children and minors. Sometimes, to teach them a lesson, bulldozers will be brought in and their family homes will be destroyed. If they try to rebuild, the home will be demolished again. Hundreds of times, if necessary. These African Americans, Latinx people, Asian Americans and indigenous North Americans will be reminded that settling North America is an exclusively white Christian right. So this is an interesting piece, a pretty pretty solid thought experiment, a way to reach a a few people who are either in denial or are inattentive to how Israel operates and what Israel does to the occupied areas, to Arab and other residents in, within its own borders. Um, so in that sense, I think it's a, a really good and interesting piece to say, here are the things, if we acted today as Israel is acting today, here are the things you might see. We don't ha- We don't necessarily have to imagine a future, however, to compare the United States actions to Israeli actions. We can look to the past as well, and and the present. Um, but many elements of history in the U.S., um, especially, are genocide against the Native American peoples um, have a lot of parallels, a lot of similarities to the founding and ongoing um, development of the nation of Israel. Many of the things they do, some of which are described here, aren't just things we can imagine doing in the future. They're things we did in the past, taking over Land occupied by nations and peoples with differing beliefs than the quote unquote majority of folks uh, in what was the United States in its history Um, is our history. We we've done it. We are a shining example of genocide, multiple genocides in the United States initiated by the colonialists, by Britain and Spain and others who colonized North and South America and carried forward by the United States after its formation. Um, we, We did all these things to the Native American people. We did all these things to enslaved people that were brought here by those colonizers Uh, mostly from Africa. Um, It's our history. It's our reality. It it was done by us. Israel's following in our footsteps. Israel is doing some of these similar things to native populations uh, in their own neighborhood. Um, But this piece is interesting. It is an interesting exercise. And I think it will reach some people that paying attention or have bought into the the narratives of Israel being the shining democracy uh, in, in its area um, and help them see some of the things from a different perspective. Next up is a piece published at StraitsTimes.com The UN General Assembly on Friday asked the International Court of Justice to consider consequences for Israel over its occupation of Palestinian territories, a day after the Jewish state's most right-wing government ever took over. The General Assembly voted 87 to 26, with 53 abstentions on the resolution, with Western nations split but virtually unanimous support in the Islamic world, including Arab states that have normalized relations with Israel and backing from Russia and China. The resolution calls on the UN Court in The Hague to determine the, quote, legal consequences arising from the ongoing violation by Israel of the right of the Palestinian people to self-determination, as well as of its measures, quote, aimed at altering the demographic composition, character, and status of the Holy City of Jerusalem. And just think about that for another minute. Altering the demographic, composition, character, and status of the Holy City of Jerusalem. That is exactly what the previous piece was all about, and it's what Israel is regularly doing throughout the occupied territories with its um, settlements uh, and, and Jewish enclaves built upon occupied Palestinian land, is changing the demographic composition. Um, Destroying the homes of Palestinian people, uh, taking their resources, destroying their water sources, um, destroying their agricultural areas and opportunities, uprooting olive trees very regularly, regularly destroying homes and taking livestock. The Palestinian ambassador to the United Nations, Mr. Riyad Mansour, said the vote sent a signal to the new government of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, yes, Benjamin Netanyahu's back, over its efforts to, quote, accelerate colonial and racist policies and hail nations that were undeterred by threats and pressure. Quote, we trust that regardless of your vote today, if you believe in international law and peace, you will uphold the opinion of the International Court of Justice when delivered, Mr. Mansour said. Speaking ahead of the vote, Israeli Ambassador Gilad Urden called the resolution, quote, a moral stain on the UN. Quote, no international body can decide that the Jewish people are occupiers in their own homeland, Mr. Erdin said. Any decision from a judicial body which receives its mandate from the morally bankrupt and politicized U.N. is completely illegitimate, he said. The resolution also demands that Israel cease settlements, but General Assembly votes have no legal force, unlike those in the Security Council, where Israel ally the U.S. wields veto power. The U.S., Britain, and Germany opposed the resolution while France abstained. We do not feel that a referral to the International Court of Justice is helpful in bringing the parties back to dialogue, British diplomat Thomas Phipps said. It is also the position of the UK that it is inappropriate without the consent of both parties to ask the court to give an advisory opinion in what is essentially a bilateral dispute. Among Western nations that backed the resolution was Portugal, whose representative acknowledged the quote, risk of overjudicializing international relations but said the world court underpins the international rules-based order which we seek to preserve next up is a piece published at eurasiareview.com this written by mohammed najib The results of a 2022 census carried out by the Palestinian Central Bureau of Statistics will worry Israel's leaders, according to a Palestinian political expert. Israelis are constantly concerned about Palestinian demographic superiority as they want control over the Palestinians. Still, at the same time, they want a pure Jewish society, Ghassan al-Khatib told Arab News. The most important fact is that we are equal to the Jews in terms of demography, he said. The survey showed high growth rate among Palestinians, and that half of them were part of the diaspora living outside Palestine, he added. The figures also indicate that Palestinian society is young, with more than a third of its population aged under 15. Al-Khatib said Israel was unable to give up the West Bank for political reasons, but also unable to annex it for demographic reasons, which constituted an embarrassment for Israel. There is a great contradiction between demographic aspects and democratic principles in Israel, he said. The survey shows that there are now about 14.3 million Palestinians around the world. Of those 5.4 million are in the West Bank and Gaza Strip, an increase of 2.4% from the previous year while 1.7 million are in Israel, 6.4 million in Arab countries, and 761,000 elsewhere in the world. It is expected that by the end of this year, the number of Jews living in Israel and its settlements in the West Bank and East Jerusalem will be 7.1 million, or about the same number, as there are Palestinians in the West Bank, East Jerusalem, Gaza Strip, and Israel. Israel, whose leaders reject the idea of Palestinians establishing an independent state, has always feared their becoming a majority. A senior official at the Statistics Bureau, who asked not to be named, told Arab News that the survey's key revelation was a demographic equality between the number of Jews living in Israel and the occupied Palestinian territories. The most important fact is that we are equal to the Jews in terms of demography and the high growth rate of Palestinians. And that half of Palestinians live in the diaspora outside Palestine, the person said. The survey shows that children aged 14 or under account for 38% of the population in the West Bank and Gaza Strip, while those aged 65 years and above represent just 3% in Palestine, 4% in the West Bank, and 3% in the Gaza Strip. It also shows that the average size of a Palestinian family dropped to five members in 2021, from six in 2010. The survey also highlights a growing problem of unemployment, especially among young graduates. In the Gaza Strip, 45% of people of working age are jobless, with the figure standing at 14% in the West Bank. The unemployment rate is 21% among men and 39% among women. The survey shows that Israeli authorities destroyed 1,058 buildings, 353 of them residential properties in the West Bank and East Jerusalem in 2022, the largest proportion of which, 29%, were in the Jerusalem governorate. Israel, meanwhile, is building hundreds of settlement units. At the end of 2018, there were more than 700,000 settlers living in 151 settlements on Palestinian lands in the West Bank. According to the Commission for Detainees and Ex-Detainees Affairs, there were 4,700 Palestinians in Israeli occupation prisons at the end of November, including 34 women and about 150 children. According to the Palestinian Ministry of Health, as of Monday, 224 Palestinians had been killed in the Gaza Strip and the West Bank. And finally, for this episode, we have a closer look at those Palestinians who were killed in 2022. This final piece is published at MondoWeiss.net written by Yumna Patel. 231 Palestinians were killed in 2022. These are their stories. 2022 has been the deadliest year for Palestinians living under Israeli occupation in decades. In the occupied West Bank and East Jerusalem specifically, this year marked the highest number of killings of Palestinians in the territories since the UN began recording fatalities in 2005. The killings began almost instantaneously with the first two Palestinians killed within the first week of January, one by an Israeli soldier and one by an Israeli settler. From then on, the killings did not stop. Since the start of the year, Weiss has kept a record of all the Palestinians killed by Israeli forces and settlers. As part of our documentation efforts, we have cross-referenced the numbers and names of those killed with reports from the Palestinian Ministry of Health, local and international news agencies, and independent journalists. At the time of publication, the total number of Palestinians killed in 2022 stood at 231. This number also includes 53 killed in Gaza, 49 of whom were killed during Operation Breaking Dawn in August, and five Palestinians with Israeli citizenship who were killed inside the territory of the Israeli state. The vast majority of the deaths this year, however, came from the occupied West Bank with 173 Palestinians killed. For the purpose of this report, we will focus on those who were killed in the West Bank and East Jerusalem or those who were residents of the West Bank and Jerusalem but were killed in other parts of occupied Palestine. This list does not only include Palestinians who were shot dead by Israeli soldiers or run over by Israeli settlers. It also includes Palestinian political prisoners who died inside Israeli prisons as a result of quote, direct medical negligence, or those who died while resisting Israeli apartheid and colonialism and are thus considered martyrs, those who died for the cause, by the Palestinian public. Among the 173 killed in the West Bank and East Jerusalem were 39 children aged 17 and under, making them close to 27% of the total deaths in the territory. According to our documentation, the least amount of Palestinians killed in a month this year was six, and the highest number was recorded in October, when 30 Palestinians were killed, almost one person every day, on average. Within the West Bank, the highest number of casualties occurred in two specific regions, Nablus and Jenin representing 19% and 34% of the total casualties, respectively. The particularly high number of deaths in the two regions of the northern West Bank can be attributed to the resurgence of armed resistance witnessed in both areas, which the Israeli military focused its efforts on quashing this year. In late 2021, the Israeli army amended its already loose open fire regulations in the occupied West Bank, officially allowing troops to shoot at Palestinians who had thrown rocks or Molotov cocktails at civilian vehicles, even if the Palestinian no longer presented an immediate threat. The military spokesperson has maintained that the amended regulations only apply when rocks or firebombs are thrown towards civilian vehicles, not when such objects are thrown towards forces during military raids, and that soldiers are to follow protocol in which the use of deadly force is a last resort. The nature of the killings this year, however, tell a different story. According to documentation collected by by Mondo Weiss, the vast majority of those killed were shot by Israeli police, border police, and the military during confrontations with Israeli forces. While there was a significant rise in armed confrontation between Palestinians and Israeli armed forces this year, many of those killed were shot while unarmed, or while throwing stones or Molotov cocktails, towards Israeli army vehicles and armed soldiers. In many cases, rights groups deemed that those killed did not pose an explicit threat to the lives of the Israeli soldiers when they were killed. These are the names and faces of every Palestinian who, according to our records, was killed or died as a result of Israeli military, settler, and colonial violence in 2022. Bakir Hashash was shot in the head during an Israeli military night raid into Balada refugee camp in southern Nablus, where he lived. The military was conducting an arrest raid and was met with resistance from armed groups in the camp. Hashash was reportedly confronting the soldiers when he was shot. It remained unconfirmed if he was armed. Hashash was the first Palestinian killed by Israeli forces in 2022. Mustafa Falani was on his way to work and was crossing the street near the Beit Sira checkpoint west of Ramallah when an Israeli settler rammed him with a car, killing him. At the time, Israeli media reported that Israeli police were quote, investigating the incident, though no one was arrested. Falani was a husband and father of an 18-month-old girl and was from the Ramallah-area village of Safa, He was the first Palestinian killed by an Israeli settler in 2022. Omar Assad, a Palestinian-American, was on his way home from visiting relatives when an Israeli military patrol in his town pulled him over. When he reportedly, quote, resisted a check, the soldiers dragged him out of his car, blindfolded him, tied his hands behind his back with zip ties, gagged him, and took him to a warehouse where he was left for several hours in the cold. Assad died of a heart attack during that time, and his unconscious body was left behind by the soldiers. Suleiman al-Hathalin, an icon of the popular resistance movement in the South Hebron Hills and across the occupied West Bank, was run over by an Israeli truck on January 5 during a protest in his village. He sustained critical injuries, including a fractured skull and serious injuries to his spine, ribs, and hip. He succumbed to his wounds on January 16. The truck that ran him over had been contracted by the Israeli police to tow unlicensed vehicles in Hathalin's village of Um al-Kar. The police claimed that the incident was an accident and that al-Hathalin was in the middle of the road while local eyewitnesses said he was on the side of the road and was deliberately rammed by the truck, which fled the scene. Israeli police, who were also at the scene, reportedly left without stopping to assess the damage done by the truck or to call an ambulance. Fale Jaradat was shot and killed by Israeli forces outside the illegal Gush Etzion settlement in the southern West Bank after he allegedly attempted to stab an israeli soldier in the area his body was reportedly seized by israeli forces and withheld from his family fami hamad a resident of the Kalindaya refugee camp was on his way to the local clinic to get his diabetes medication when israeli forces raided the camp firing dozens of rounds of tear gas into the area including near the clinic where hamad was located UNRWA said the raid lasted several hours and that their appeals to Israeli authorities to stop firing tear gas and allow their staff and patients to evacuate the clinic were, quote, regrettably not addressed. Hamad suffered from suffocation due to tear gas inhalation and was treated at a local hospital. His family said that even after he was released he continued to cough and had trouble breathing. He died that same night. The Kalandia refugee camp lies between Jerusalem and Ramallah and is considered part of the Jerusalem district, though it lies on the West Bank side of the separation wall. Ashraf Mubasalat, Muhammad Dakhil, and Adam Mabruke were sh- shot and killed by Israeli forces during an ambush of their vehicle in the city of Nablus Makfeya neighborhood. The three were members of the Al-Aqsa Martyrs Brigade, the armed wing of the Fatah movement, and were founding members of the novel Lion's Den group in Nablus. The three were killed as part of Israeli military operations, targeting Palestinian resistance fighters who were suspected of carrying out operations against Israeli targets in the West Bank. Muhammad Abu Salah was shot and killed by the Israeli army while it was raiding the village of al sila al harithia the raid sparked protests in the village which drew crowds of palestinians from al sila al harithia and their surrounding villages including the neighboring town of al-yamun where abu salah was from according to defense for children international palestine dcip israeli forces quote suddenly and without warning began firing indiscriminately at crowds of palestinians injuring dozens of people, including Abu Salah, who was shot in the eye, and his cousin, who was shot in the hand while attempting to aid Abu Salah. DCIP said the two were running away when an Israeli sniper shot them. Abu Salah was the first Palestinian child killed in 2022. Nihad Bargudi was shot and killed by the Israeli soldiers during confrontations between local youth and the Israeli military in Nabi Saleh. He was resident of the nearby village of Kufr-ein. Muhammad Rezg Saleh was shot and killed near the Israeli separation wall outside of his village of Al-Qadr south of Bethlehem. The Israeli army claimed that its soldiers shot Salah while he was allegedly throwing a Molotov cocktail at cars on the highway. Salah's family said he was 300 meters away from the wall when he was shot and, quote, did not pose any significant danger to the army or the settlers at the time. Muhammad Salah was 13 years old. Abdullah al-Husari and Shadi Najim were shot and killed by Israeli forces during a nighttime military raid on the Jenin refugee camp. Amar Abu Afifa a resident of the Al Arub refugee camp was shot and killed by Israeli soldiers while he was on a hike with a friend. His friend told Bitzalem that the two were hiking when Israeli soldiers approached them shouting at them in Hebrew. The pair ran away when the soldiers began shooting, striking Abu Afifa in the head and his friend in the leg. The army said soldiers were deployed to the area, quote, after sentries reported seeing Palestinians near a lookout point constructed by Israeli settlers. Haaretz reported. Karim Jamal al-Kawasmi was shot and killed by Israeli police after he allegedly stabbed and injured two Israeli police officers, Near the Bab al Hutta Gate in the Old City of Jerusalem. Al Kawasmi was from the East Jerusalem neighborhood of Al Tur. Yaman Jafal was shot and killed by Israeli forces during a raid on the town of Abu Dis, which is located in the Jerusalem district of the occupied West Bank and borders the Israeli separation wall. Jafal was shot and killed during confrontations. The army claimed it fired at two people who were allegedly throwing firebombs toward the army. Abdelrahman Qasem was shot and killed by Israeli police after he allegedly stabbed and injured two Israeli police officers in the old city of Jerusalem. Qasem was reportedly from the Ramallah area in the West Bank. Ahmad Hikmat Saif was shot on March 1 during an Israeli military raid on his hometown of Burqa, in the Nablus district of the northern west bank he succumbed to his wounds a week later on march 8. al Shaham was shot and killed during an israeli military raid on the kalandia refugee camp he was shot during confrontations between local youth and israeli forces six others were injured during the raid the kalandia refugee camp lies between jerusalem and ramallah and is considered part of the jerusalem district so it lies on the west bank side of the separation wall. Nader Rayan was shot and killed during an early morning Israeli army raid on the Balata refugee camp in Nablus. According to DCIP, Rayan and friend were riding on a motorcycle on their way to Rayan's brother's cafe nearby when they were shot by Israeli forces. Daya Harmaseh was shot and killed after he carried out a shooting operation in the Tel Aviv suburbs that killed five people, including three Israelis and two Ukrainian nationals. Hamarseh was from the occupied West Bank town of Yabad in Jenin. Nadal Jafra was shot and killed by Israeli forces after he allegedly stabbed and injured an Israeli on a bus outside the illegal Nev Daniels settlement in the Bethlehem district of the West Bank. He was from the town of Tarkumiya in Hebron. Sanad Abu Atiyah and Yazid al-Sadi were shot and killed by Israeli forces during an army raid on the Jenin refugee camp. The raid sparked confrontations with locals in the camp, including with local armed resistance groups. Israeli forces injured another 14 Palestinians and arrested more than 30. Abu Atiyah was shot in the chest, and al-Sadi was shot in the back of the head. According to DCIP, the two were shot as Israeli forces were retreating from the camp while shooting towards a number of young men who were throwing stones. Al-Sadi was shot first, and Abu Atiyah was shot while attempting to render him aid. Ahmad al-Atrash was shot and killed by Israeli forces during confrontations between Israeli forces and locals in Hebron City. Palestinians in Hebron and across the West Bank were protesting in commemoration of Land Day when Israeli forces suppressed protests with tear gas, sound bombs, rubber bullets, and live ammunition. Saeb Abhara, Khalil Tawalbe, and Saif Abu Libda were all shot and killed while driving in their car during an Israeli army ambush on Jenin City in the middle of the night. According to reports, a white bus blocked their vehicle at around 2 a.m. near the Araba village southwest of Jenin. and Israeli special forces exited the bus and began firing at the vehicle. The three were members of the Al-Quds Brigades, the armed wing of the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, PIJ, movement. They were not engaged in armed confrontations at the time they were killed, causing locals to describe it as an assassination. Ra'ad Kazem was shot and killed after he carried out a shooting attack in Tel Aviv that killed three people. He was from the Janine refugee camp in the West Bank. Ahmad Saadi was shot and killed by Israeli forces during an army raid on the Janine refugee camp. The raid targeted the family of Ra'ad Kazem, who was killed two days prior after shooting and killing three people in Tel Aviv. Saadi was reportedly a leader in the Al-Quds brigades. Gada Sabatine was shot and killed by Israeli forces near a flying checkpoint in her village of Husan, south of Bethlehem. Sabatine, a widow and mother of six who was reportedly partially blind, was shot by soldiers, quote, on suspicion as she passed by a flying checkpoint in the village. She was unarmed. Maha El Zahardi was shot and killed by Israeli soldiers stationed at a checkpoint outside the Ibrahim Mosque in the old city of Hebron. Al-Za'ardi was shot after she allegedly stabbed a soldier. Mohammed Ganaim was shot and killed by Israeli soldiers after he allegedly threw a Molotov cocktail towards the army near Al-Qadr, south of Bethlehem. Mohammed Zakarni was shot on April 10 during an Israeli military raid on the city of Jenin, according to DCIP. Zakarni was shot while running behind an Israeli military vehicle that was reportedly pursuing a civilian vehicle carrying family members of Rod Kazem. Abdullah Srohr was shot and killed after allegedly attempting to stab an Israeli police officer during a raid at a work site in the port city of Askelon in southern Israel roar was reportedly from the Hebron area of the West Bank. Muhammad Asaf was shot and killed during an Israeli military raid on Nablus City. Asaf was reportedly a bystander and was shot and killed shortly after dropping his nephews off at school. Kasai Hamamra was shot and killed during confrontations that broke out following an Israeli raid on the village of Husan. The Israeli army alleged that Hamamra was shot after he threw a Molotov cocktail towards Israeli forces. DCIP reported that he sustained multiple gunshot wounds, including one to the head. Omar Aliyan was shot and killed by Israeli forces during confrontations that broke out following an Israeli raid on the town of Silwad. Eleven other Palestinians were injured during the raid. Shaz Kamamji and Mustafa Abu Arub were shot and killed during an Israeli army raid on the village of Kafr Dan in the Jenin area. During the raid, Israeli forces arrested three brothers of Ayam Kamamji, one of the prisoners who escaped from Gilboa prison last year. Shaz Kamamji was also a brother of Ayam. Fawaz Hamayal was shot on April 13 during protests in the town of Beda in the Nablus district of the West Bank, and succumbed one day later. Hamayal was father of three. Mondawis interviewed Hamayal during our coverage of the daily protests in Beita in 2021. Shawkat Abed was shot during an Israeli army raid on Kafr Dan on April 14, the same raid during which Shas Kamamji and Mustafa Abu Arub were killed. He succumbed to his wounds the next day. According to DCIP, Shakat was shot in his abdomen and sustained injuries that suggest he was struck with an exploding bullet that ruptured his blood vessels and veins. Hanan Kador was shot by Israeli forces during a large-scale raid on Janine on April 9, during which Ahmad al-Sadi was killed. According to reports, Kador was walking home from school when she was shot. She succumbed to her wounds on April 18. Lufti Labadi was shot during an Israeli raid on the Jenin area town of Al Yamun on April 19. He succumbed to his wounds on April 22. Ahmed Oedat was shot and killed by Israeli forces during a nighttime raid on the Akbat Jabbar refugee camp. The raid sparked confrontations from residents of the camp. Three people were wounded and one was arrested. Ahmad Massad was shot and killed during an early morning Israeli army raid on Jenin. Massad was shot in the head and three others were wounded during the raid. Yahya Adwan was shot and killed during confrontations that erupted following an Israeli raid on the town of Azun. Modusam al-Zir was shot and killed inside the illegal Israeli settlement of Tekoa in the Bethlehem district, a few kilometers away from his hometown village of Harmala. According to DCIP, Motassim took off to the settlement after an argument with his parents. Around an hour later, his parents were informed by Israeli forces at the settlement that he was shot after allegedly entering the settlement with a knife. It was not reported that Alzir actually attempted a stabbing attack or injured anyone. DCIP added that it was unable to confirm the specific circumstances of his killing, including whether he was shot by an Israeli soldier, private security contractor, or an Israeli settler. His body was confiscated by Israeli authorities and withheld from his family. Mahmoud Aram was shot and killed by Israeli army forces while he was allegedly attempting to cross an Israeli separation barrier between the West Bank and Israeli territory. Aram was a resident of the Gaza Strip city of Khan Yunis and was reportedly searching for work in Israel and the West Bank when he was killed. Shireen Abu Akleh, a Palestinian-American veteran journalist with Al Jazeera, was shot and killed by Israeli forces while she was covering a military raid on the Jenin refugee camp. Abu Akleh and her colleagues, who were wearing blue vests marked press, came under fire from the direction of Israeli forces. Abu Akhle was shot in the head, directly below her ear, according to reports from the MOH. Her colleague, Ali Samoudi, was also shot in the back, though he recovered. Abu Akhle was a resident of occupied East Jerusalem. Thayer al Yazouri was shot and killed during confrontations between Palestinians and Israeli forces in the Albira area of Ramallah. According to DCIP, Al-Yazuri had left school early due to a teacher strike and was watching the nearby confrontations when he was shot in the chest. DCIP said he did not pose any threat to the soldiers at the time he was killed. Walid al-Sharif was severely wounded after he was shot by Israeli forces with a rubber bullet during Israeli raids on the Al-Aqsa Mosque compound on April 22 during Ramadan the month prior. He succumbed to his wounds on May 14 after several weeks in the hospital. Israeli police denied responsibility for his killing, saying he died after he fell and hit his head, despite video evidence proving otherwise. Daoud al-Zubedi was shot and injured on May 13 during an Israeli army raid on the Janine refugee camp. Al-Zubedi was a fighter and leader within the Fatah movement and was the brother of political prisoner Zakaria al-Zubaydi, who escaped from Gilboa prison in September 2021. Ihab al Kalani died on May 16, one month after he was released from an Israeli prison. According to the Palestinian Prisoner Society, al-Khalani had cancer and was subject to, quote, deliberate medical negligence while in Israeli prison. Amjad Fayyad was shot and killed by Israeli forces during an army raid on the city of Jenin, According to DCIP, Fayyad was shot after he threw a Molotov cocktail towards Israeli army vehicles raiding the city. Gaith Yamin was shot and killed by Israeli forces during a raid on the Joseph's Tomb area in Nablus. The raid conducted by Israeli forces in order to escort groups of Israeli settlers to the site for worship sparked confrontations with local youth Zaid Gnaem was shot and killed by Israeli soldiers who were on foot patrol in the area of al-Qadr Gnaem was reportedly running away from the soldiers when he was shot Zaid Gnaem was 14 years old Gufran Waresne was shot and killed by Israeli forces outside a checkpoint near the Al Arub refugee camp while she was on her way to work at her new job at a local Palestinian radio station Orasne was from the Hebron area village of Al Shiyuk. The Israeli army claimed that Orasne was holding a knife and that its forces shot her as she quote advanced towards an Israeli army soldier who was conducting routine security activity in the area witnesses at the time however said she posed little to no threat to the armed soldiers stationed in the area when she was shot. The Palestinian Red Crescent said that Israeli forces prevented medics from approaching her for 20 minutes after she was shot. Bilal Kabaha was shot during confrontations between locals in Yabad and Israeli forces who were raiding the town in order to demolish the family home of Dia Hamarche, who was killed in March after he carried out a shooting attack in Tel Aviv that killed five people. The demolition raid sparked protests in the town, with Israeli forces firing live ammunition and tear gas at Palestinians who threw stones at the military forces. Kabaha was killed after he was shot in the chest and thigh. At least six others were injured with live ammunition during the raid. Ayman Muhaisen was shot and killed during a nighttime raid by the Israeli military on the Deeshe Refugee Camp. Muhaisen was a former political prisoner. Oda Sadaka was shot and killed by Israeli forces while on a walk with his friends in the village of Al midiyah According to DCIP, the boy suddenly came under fire by Israeli forces who were patrolling the area. As they were running away, Sadaka was shot in the back. When locals rushed to the scene and attempted to help him, Israeli forces fired on them as well. He was evacuated in a civilian vehicle around 20 minutes after he was shot, but lost consciousness on the way to the hospital. Mahmoud Abu Aor was shot and killed during an Israeli army raid on Halhul that sparked confrontations with locals in the area. Several others were shot with live ammunition during the confrontations. Sami Amarne was shot during an Israeli military raid on Yabad on June 1, the same raid in which 24 year old Bilal Kabaha was killed. Amarne succumbed to his wounds on June 11. Yusef Sala, Bara Lalul, and Laith Abu Sror were shot and killed by Israeli forces during a military raid on the city of Jenin. According to local reports, the vehicle they were driving in came under ambush by Israeli forces, who fired dozens of rounds of live ammunition at the vehicle. The Israeli army claimed it came under fire from the vehicle. Nabil Ghanem was shot and killed by Israeli soldiers near the Israeli separation barrier outside of Kalkiler, Ghanem, who worked as a day laborer in Israel was shot by soldiers in the area as he was on his way to work. At the time, the army released a statement saying its soldiers quote, shot and wounded a suspect who tried to infiltrate through the wall near Kalkilia into the Green Line. Al-Harb was stabbed to death by an Israeli settler in Harb's hometown of Iskaka. Harb, along with a number of Palestinians in the village of Iskaka, went to the land on the outskirts of their village after receiving a call That Israeli settlers were attacking their land. When Harb and the others arrived, they confronted the settlers and attempted to push them back, reports said. After the settlers briefly retreated from the area, they reportedly came back accompanied by an armed settlement security guard and Israeli soldier. Witnesses at the time said that the settlement security guard fired shots into the air as a group of settlers began assaulting the Palestinians before one settler approached Harb and stabbed him directly in the heart. Israeli police said they were investigating the incident, but that, quote, at this stage the identity of the stabber is unclear. Mohammed Suleiman, also named by MOH as Abdullah Hamad, was shot and killed by Israeli soldiers during confrontations in the village of Silwad, According to the DCIP, he was left to bleed out for 45 minutes after he was shot, before being transferred to a hospital in Israel. His body was also withheld from his family by Israeli authorities. Mohamed Moray was shot and killed during an Israeli army raid on the city of Janine. PIJ released a statement saying he was a PIJ fighter and was killed while confronting the Israeli army. Sadia Matar, also Sadia Farajala, died of a suspected heart attack inside Israeli's Damon prison six months after she was beaten and detained by Israeli forces in Hebron after allegedly attempting to stab Israeli soldiers near a military checkpoint in the city. The Palestinian Prisoners Club said at the time of her death that they believe she died as a result of, quote, deliberate medical negligence. According to the group, she was displaying signs of deteriorating health during her imprisonment, and that her legal team requested she be sent to see a specialized doctor following medical tests that showed her health was in decline. Kamal Alwane was shot during an Israeli raid on the town of Jabba on July 2. Israeli forces raided the entrance of the town to erect a checkpoint in the area, causing confrontations to ensue with local youth. According to DCIP, Alwane was standing around 65 feet away from the soldiers when he was struck with a live bullet in the elbow. He then turned to run away when he was struck again in the abdomen. He succumbed to his wounds the day after he was shot. Ahmad Harb Ayad was severely beaten by Israeli soldiers while attempting to cross the Israeli separation barrier outside Tulkarem into Israel for work. According to his family, who live in the Gaza Strip, Ayad was lynched by soldiers and died as a result of the wounds he sustained in the beating. The Israeli army denied any knowledge of Ayad's death. Rafiq Ghanam was shot and killed by Israeli forces during a raid on the town of Jabah. Ghanam was arrested by Israeli forces after being shot and died while in custody. His body was withheld from his family, According to Middle East Eye, the Israeli army provided two versions of the event at the time. One statement claimed Ganam was shot while throwing a Molotov cocktail at soldiers, while another statement said a, quote, suspect escaping from a building did not heed soldiers, calls to stop, and was shot as a result. Mohammed Azizi and Rahman Subo were shot and killed by Israeli forces during a large-scale military raid on the Al Yasmina neighborhood in the old city of Nablus. It was the first time since 2002 that the army conducted a raid in the area, targeting Palestinians who the army claimed were suspected of carrying out a shooting operation targeting Israeli soldiers and settlers near Joseph's tomb a month prior. During the raid, resistance fighters fired heavily at Israeli forces, barricading themselves inside the home of Azizi, who is widely known to be one of the founders of the Lion's Den. Israeli forces surrounded the home, bombarding it with explosives and gunfire, overpowering the fighters inside. The Palestinian MOH said Azizi was shot in the chest and Subo was shot in the head. Amjad Abu Aliyah was shot and killed during confrontations in his village of Al-Mugayr between Israeli settlers, soldiers, and local Palestinian youth. According to eyewitness testimony told to Weiss at the time and corroborated, or corroborated by similar testimonies collected by DCIP, Abu Aliyah was shot in the back while running away from Israeli settlers and soldiers who were firing on protesters. At the same moment in which Abu Aliyah was shot, an Israeli settler around 70 meters away was recorded taking cover behind a stone barrier, kneeling and shooting live ammunition at Palestinian protesters. At the time, the Israeli military took no responsibility for his killing, nor did it release any statements with regard to the allegations that the fatal shot could have potentially come from a settler. Hussein Kawarik was shot on July 26 in the town of Huwara by Israeli forces who were manning a checkpoint in the area. The Israeli army said it fired at a, quote, suspect approaching them at a military post, first firing into the air and then directly at Kowarek after he allegedly continued approaching the soldiers. The mayor of the town said Kowarek was, quote, mentally disabled and used to collect bottles and cans from the street and asked for money from businesses in the area middle east i reported he succumbed to his wounds on july 30 Durar al kafrini was shot and killed by israeli forces during a raid on the janine refugee camp according to dcip he was shot in the back by an israeli sniper stationed about 50 meters away ibrahim al nabusi Islam Sabu and Hussein Jamal Taha were killed during a large-scale Israeli military raid on the old city of Nablus. The target of the raid was al-Nablusi, the young commander who was at the time leading the increasingly popular group of resistance fighters that would come to be called the Lion's Den. Israeli forces raided the old city in the early hours of the morning and surrounded a house where Nablusi was reportedly staying sparking a gun battle with the fighters in the area. While Nablusi and Subu were both reportedly engaged in armed confrontations when they were killed, DCIP said that Taha was on his way to shop for groceries with his father and 13-year-old brother when an Israeli soldier shot him in the abdomen near the confrontations between the Palestinian fighters and Israeli forces. Momin Jabbar was shot and killed during protests that erupted in Hebron following the killing of Nablusi, Sabu, and Taha earlier in the day. According to DCIP, Jabbar was shot in the chest with live ammunition near the Bab al Zawiya area of Hebron. He underwent surgery at a local hospital but succumbed to his wounds later in the day. Mohamed Salim was killed after he was run over by an Israeli vehicle near an illegal settlement outpost near the village of Haris in the Salfit district witnesses told wafa news agency that it was a quote deliberate hit and run muhammad al shaham was shot and killed during a raid by israeli armed forces on his family's hometown of kufr Aqab, located in the jerusalem district of the west bank israeli forces claim al shaham tried to stab them when they entered the home but his family vehemently denies the claims, saying he was executed at point-blank range just moments after waking up to the sounds of armed forces bursting through the front door. His family claimed the soldiers told them they entered the home by mistake. His body was withheld for over a month before being returned to his family in late September. Wasim Abu Khalifa was shot and killed by Israeli forces during a raid on the city of Nablus. Salah Sawafta was shot and killed by Israeli forces during an early morning army raid on the city of Tubas. Local media reported that Sawafta was on his way home for performing dawn prayers at the local mosque when he was shot near the entrance of his home. He was reportedly still wearing his prayer robes, but shot. The Israeli army denied killing Sawafta, saying they shot at a number of, quote, assailants in the area with, quote, precise fire. Mohammed Aresha was shot and injured during the Israeli military raid on the old city of Nablus on August 9, that killed Ibrahim Nablusi, Islam Subu, and Hussein Taha. Aresha, reported to be a fighter, was injured during the confrontations. He succumbed to his wounds on August 23. Yazan Afane was shot and killed during an Israeli military raid on the town of Al Bira in Ramallah. Afane, a resident of the nearby Kalandia refugee camp, was apparently confronting the soldiers along with other locals who threw stones and attempted to block the soldiers' path into the city. Fadi Gaddis, a res- resident of the Daeshe refugee camp in Bethlehem, was shot and killed by Israeli forces after allegedly attempting to stab soldiers near the Beit Aanun junction in the Hebron district. Musa Abu Mahamid died while in Israeli custody at the Asaf Harofe Hospital. Mahamid from Bethlehem area village of Beit Tamar died two months after he was arrested by Israeli forces for being in Jerusalem without an Israeli-issued permit. The Palestinian Prisoner Society said Mahamid had neurological problems prior to his arrest, but was otherwise healthy. His health deteriorated due to unexplained reasons around one month into his detention, he was declared dead on September 3. Tahir Zakerne was shot and killed by Israeli forces during confrontations that erupted following an Israeli military operation in the Janine area. Muhammad Sabane was shot and killed during an Israeli military raid on Janine, during which Israeli forces shot and injured at least 16 people with live ammunition. The army conducted the raid in order to punitively demolish the family home of Rad Kazem, who was killed in April after he committed a shooting operation in Tel Aviv that killed three people. Yunus Taye was shot and killed during an Israeli military raid on the Al Fara camp in the northern West Bank, located between the Tubas and Janine districts. Haitha Mubarak was shot and killed during a nighttime Israeli army raid near the village of Baiten. DCIP reported that Israeli forces prevented an ambulance from reaching his body and that he died soon after. Israeli forces confiscated his body. Hamad Abu Jelda was shot and injured by Israeli forces during the army raid on Jenin refugee camp on September 6 that also killed Mohammed Sabane. Abu Jelda succumbed to his wounds on September 11. Ahmed Abed and Abdurrahman Abed were shot and killed at the Jamali checkpoint north of Jenin after they opened fire at Israeli forces stationed at the checkpoint, killing one soldier. The two were from the town of Kafr Dan in Jenin. Odai Salah was shot and killed by Israeli forces during a military raid on the town of Kafir The Israeli military raided the homes of Ahmed and Abdul Rahman Abed, who had carried out a shooting operation on the Jamala checkpoint one day prior. The raid sparked confrontations in the town with local residents. According to DCIP, Salah reportedly attempted to shoot in the direction of Israeli military vehicles using a homemade gun when an Israeli sniper fired two shots at him, killing him. It was unclear if he fired the weapon before he was killed. Muhammad Abu Juma was shot and killed by a plainclothes Israeli border police officer near the Israeli town of Modi'in, after he allegedly committed a stabbing attack. Abu Juma was from the Jerusalem-area town of Altur. Muhammad Abu Kafia was shot and killed by Israeli police while driving on a highway in the northern West Bank district of Nablus. Abu Kafia, a resident of the village of Beit Isha was driving when his vehicle crashed into a police car that was parked on the side of the road. His family said it was a traffic accident and criticized police for opening fire on him. The Israeli police accused Abu Kafia of attempting to ram them with his vehicle, though none of the officers were hurt. Sayed al-Khoni was shot and killed by undercover Israeli forces during a raid on the Al-Ta'wan neighborhood of the city. Three others were injured during the raid. Alconi was hailed as a hero by the Lion's Den resistance group. Israeli forces raided the Janine refugee camp in the early morning, targeting the family of slain fighter Ra'ad Kazem, who was killed in April after shooting and killing three people in Tel Aviv. During the raid, Israeli forces killed Abed Kazem, the brother of Ra'ad Kazem, along with Mohammed Awane, Ahmed Awane and Muhammad Abu Nasa. More than 50 others were injured during the raid. Rayad Suleimani, age 7, died from cardiac arrest after being chased down by Israeli soldiers in his hometown of Tuku, a village south of Bethlehem. His family said that he collapsed after being chased by the soldiers who accused him and his brothers of throwing stones. Al-Jazeera reported that a doctor at the Biet Jala governmental hospital where Soleimani was declared dead said the most probable scenario of what happened is that under stress he had excess adrenaline secretion which caused the increase of his heartbeat. Ismail said he developed cardiac arrest. Fayez Damdoum was shot by Israeli forces while he was riding on a motorcycle with his friend in their hometown of Al-Eziriyah which sits just north of East Jerusalem on the West Bank side of the Israeli separation wall. According to DCIP, Damdum was driving on a motorcycle with his friend behind Israeli military vehicles when soldiers shot him from the vehicle at a distance of less than 13 feet, striking him in his neck. The Israeli border police claimed it fired at Palestinians who were throwing Molotov cocktails at Israeli forces in the area. Khaled al-Dabas and Salama Sharia were shot and killed by Israeli forces during a nighttime raid in the Jal- Jalazone refugee camp. The pair were reportedly driving in their car when they came under Israeli fire. The Israeli army claimed the young men attempted to ram them with the vehicle, something the families denied. No soldiers were injured in the alleged car ramming al zagal was shot and killed by Israeli forces during a military raid on the village of Deir al hatab outside Nablus. Israeli forces were targeting the home of a Palestinian fighter with the Fatah movement, sparking armed confrontations in the village that lasted several hours. Zagal was shot in the head by soldiers during the raid. At least five others, including two Palestinian journalists, were injured during the raid. Adel Daoud was shot in the head with live ammunition by Israeli forces near the Israeli separation barrier south of Kalkilia. There were reportedly confrontations in the area at the time that Daoud was shot. The Israeli army claimed that its forces fired when a Molotov cocktail was thrown towards army vehicles. Adel Daoud was age 14. Mahdi Ladadwa was shot in the waist by Israeli forces during a settler attack on the village of Al-Marza al-Gharibiyah. The settler attack began around 4 p.m., sparking confrontations with local residents. Israeli soldiers who were accompanying the settlers fired live ammunition at Palestinians, killing Ladadwa. Mahmoud al Su and Ahmed Daragme were shot and killed by Israeli forces during a large-scale military invasion on the Janine refugee camp, conducted under the pretext of arresting a wanted Palestinian resistance fighter in the camp. Eleven others were injured during the raid. Mahmoud Samoud was shot by Israeli forces with live ammunition in the abdomen during an Israeli military raid on the Janine refugee camp on September 28, during which four Palestinians were killed. According to DCIP, Samoudi joined a group of boys and youth who were throwing stones and Molotov cocktails towards Israeli military vehicles in the Alzara neighborhood of Janin next to the refugee camp. Samoudi allegedly threw a few stones at the Israeli military vehicles when Israeli forces shot several live bullets towards the group of youth. One bullet struck Mamoun in the left side of his abdomen and exited the right side, causing severe bleeding and damage to his colon, kidneys, and bladder. He succumbed to his wounds on October 10. Osama Adawi was shot and killed by Israeli forces near the southern entrance of the Al-Arub refugee camp. The Israeli military claimed that Adawi had thrown stones at cars with Israeli license plates on a major road adjacent to the camp. Dr. Abdullah Abutin and Matin Dabaya were shot and killed during an Israeli army raid on the Janine refugee camp. The Janine Brigade identified Dabaya as commander of its armed group, while Abutin was also reported to have been engaged in armed confrontations with Israeli forces when he was shot. Mohamed Gawadro, a resident of the Janine refugee camp, died on October 14 in Israeli custody in the Tal Hashomer Hospital where he was receiving treatment for severe burns across his body. Gawadra and his cousin were detained in early September after allegedly carrying out an attack on an Israeli settler bus in the Jordan Valley. Gawadra reportedly sustained severe burns across 90% of his body after his car caught fire while attempting to flee the scene. Kais Shujaya was shot and killed in the illegal Beit El settlement in the Ramallah area, after he shot and injured one Israeli settler. Shuzayya was from the nearby town of Deir-Jarir. Mujahed Daoud was shot by Israeli forces during a military raid on his village of Kararet Bani, Hassan, on October 15. He succumbed to his wounds the next day. Uday Tamimi was shot and killed by Israeli forces at the entrance to the illegal Maale Adumim settlement in the Central West Bank. Tamimi, a resident of the Jerusalem-area Shufat Refugee Camp, was killed while carrying out a shooting operation targeting armed forces stationed at the settlement. Prior to his killing, Israeli forces had embarked on a widespread manhunt for Tamimi after he shot and killed an Israeli soldier at a military checkpoint outside Shufat Refugee Camp on October 8. Tamimi's body was detained by Israeli forces and continued to be withheld from his family. Mohamed Nori was shot by Israeli forces with live ammunition outside the Bayit El Checkpoint near the city of Ramallah on September 28. According to DCIP, he was watching confrontations between Israeli soldiers and local youth when Israeli forces shot him in the abdomen. He was shot with an expanding bullet, which caused severe damage to his internal organs and sent him into a coma shortly after. He succumbed to his wounds on October 20. Salah Braiki was shot and killed by Israeli forces during a military raid on Janine that sparked confrontations with Palestinians in the city. According to the MOH, he was shot in the back. Rabi Arafa Rabi was shot and killed near an Israeli military checkpoint in the Kalkilia district of the West Bank. The Palestinian MOH said he was shot in the head. The Israeli army claimed it shot Rabi after a vehicle he was driving had, quote, illegally crossed into Israel, and fled and hit a soldier. Tamar al Kalani was killed when a motorcycle allegedly rigged with explosives detonated as al Kalani was walking by. The Palestinian MOH confirmed the explosion as the cause of death. al Kalani was a member of the Lion's Den resistance group based out of the Old City. Following al Kalani's death, the Lion's Den released a statement saying that the treacherous occupation rigged a motorcycle with a TNT device in what they described as an assassination. Hamid Sharaf, Ali Antar, Hamdi Kaim, Wadi al-Hawa, and Mashal Baghdadi were all killed during a large-scale Israeli military invasion of the old city of Nablus, targeting the Lion's Den group. The raid began shortly after midnight and lasted several hours into the early morning. The primary focus of the raid was the Al Yasmina quarter, where Al Hawa, a commander of the lion's den, and other fighters were located. Hamdi Sharaf and Ali Antar were the first two to be killed. The eyewitnesses and their families said they were not fighters but were shot dead by Israeli forces while leaving Sharaf's barbershop outside the old city. According to witnesses, the pair saw Israeli special forces entering the old city and called out to residents to warn them when they were shot. The remaining three, al-Hawa, Qaim, and Baghdadi, were all reportedly engaged in armed confrontations with soldiers when they were killed. Kusai Tamimi was shot and killed by Israeli forces during confrontations between the Israeli army and local youth at the entrance of the village of Nabi Saleh. Imad Abu Rashid and Ramzi Zabara were shot and killed by Israeli forces while driving near an Israeli military checkpoint in Huara, south of Nablus city. Both of the men worked for the Palestinian Authority Civil Defense and were residents of the Askar refugee camp in Nablus. The Israeli army claimed it fired towards a vehicle the men were driving in while the army was conducting an operation in the area and identified two, quote, suspicious vehicles. Al Jazeera reported. Mohammed Jabari was killed by Israeli forces after conducting a shooting operation near the illegal Kiryat Arba settlement in Hebron. Jabari killed one Israeli settler and injured four others in the shooting before he was run over by a local settlement security guard before being shot by an Israeli soldier. The Palestinian MOH attributed the cause of death to the injuries he sustained when he was rammed with the security guard's car. Barakat Odeh was shot and killed after he carried out a vehicular ramming targeting Israeli soldiers at two locations in the Jericho area. He was shot dead by a police officer. Israeli media reported that five soldiers were injured. Habas Rayan was shot and killed by an Israeli soldier after he allegedly committed a car ramming attack that injured one soldier at a military checkpoint near his hometown of Beit in the Jerusalem government of the Central West Bank. Residents of the town reported at the time that Rayan had been detained by Israeli forces the night before and that his son had been arrested and detained by Israeli forces since September. Following the killing of Habas Rayan the night before, Israeli forces raided the town of Bayit Duku, where he was from, sparking confrontations with local residents who threw stones, burned tires, and set off fireworks towards the army. Israeli forces fired live ammunition at the residents, striking Daoud Rayan in the heart, killing him. It remained unclear if and how Daoud Rayan and Habas Rayan were related. Amr Bader, also reported as Amr Halabiya, was shot and killed by Israeli police in the Old City of Jerusalem after he allegedly carried out a stabbing attack while being stopped in search by Israeli forces at the entrance to the Al-Aqsa Mosque compound. Bader was a student at Berezayt University near Ramallah and was from the East Jerusalem neighborhood of Bayat Hanina. Muhammad Khalouf and Farouk Salmay were shot and killed by Israeli forces during a military raid on the Janine refugee camp. According to DCIP, Khaluf was shot near the site of confrontations between Israeli forces and Palestinians. He was struck with a bullet to the chest and was shot after he allegedly fired a homemade gun at Israeli military vehicles near the entrance of the camp. Salame was shot three times in the abdomen, chest, and head. Musab Nafal was shot and killed while another Palestinian man was seriously injured. When Israeli soldiers opened fire on the two as they were walking along a dirt road near their home village of Sinjil, Nafal was killed with a bullet to the heart. Rafat al-Isa was shot multiple times by Israeli soldiers while he attempted to cross through a military checkpoint on his way to work. Al-Isa was killed as soldiers fired directly at the upper part of his body. The 29-year-old became known and hailed as the martyr of daily bread. Mahdi Hashash was shot and hit with shrapnel from a homemade explosive that was detonated by Israeli gunfire. Ashash was shot at from a distance of almost 400 meters and declared dead shortly after his injury at Rafidia Hospital in Nablus. Fula Malu, also referred to as Fula Masalma, was shot and killed as Israeli soldiers fired at the car she rode in on October 14 during a search and arrest raid in Beatunia. Israeli soldiers had riddled the car with bullets for almost four minutes during the dawn hours of November 14. According to reports by the Palestinian MOH, the fatal bullet which killed Malu was to the head. The teenage girl's slain body was dragged across the concrete before being thrown to the ground of an Israeli military jeep, according to eyewitnesses and CCTV footage acquired by Mondo Weiss. Fulamalu was age 14. Muhammad Souf was shot and killed by Israeli forces after carrying out a stabbing operation in the illegal Ariel settlement that killed three Israeli settlers. Souf was from the nearby village of Haris, a few kilometers away from the settlement, which was built on the land of Haris and other surrounding villages. Mahmoud al-Sadi was shot and killed during an early morning Israeli raid on Jenin, According to DCIP, al-Sadi was on his way to school when his path was blocked by confrontations between local residents and Israeli forces. Al-Sadi was not participating in the clashes, according to DCIP, and was shot in the abdomen by a soldier as the team turned around to go home. Ahmed Shahada was shot and killed during an Israeli raid on the Joseph's Tomb area of Nablus City. According to DCIP, Israeli forces has raided the area in order to escort a group of settlers visiting the tomb. The raid sparked confrontations with Palestinians, some of whom were armed. Shahada was reportedly near an armed Palestinian man during confrontations, when an Israeli sniper shot him in the chest, striking his heart. Muhammad Hisrallah was shot and injured during an Israeli military raid on Nablus on July 24 and succumbed to his wounds on November 23. He was identified as a member of the Lion's Den and was injured while confronting Israeli forces invading the Al-Yasmina neighborhood in the old city of Nablus. Two Lion's Den fighters, Muhammad Azizi and Abdul Rahman Sob, were killed during the military operation. Muhammad Abu Kishik was shot on November 22 by Israeli forces during a military raid on the Joseph's Tomb area of Nabla City that sparked confrontations with local residents. He succumbed to his wounds the next day, November 23. Mufid Iklayo was killed after he was shot in the head by Israeli forces while they were raiding the town of Bayat Umar. According to the Palestinian Red Crescent Society, 22 Palestinians were injured during the raid. Local media also reported that Israeli forces attacked medics in the town as they attempted to treat the wounded. Brothers Thafur and Jawad al-Ramawi were shot and killed when Israeli forces raided the Ramallah area village of Kufur Confrontations erupted during an Israeli raid on the nearby town of Bayat Rima, where the young men were from, they were reportedly shot while the soldiers were pulling out of Beit Rima, passing through the neighboring village of Uafer in According to the MOH, Jawad was shot with live ammunition in the stomach and pelvic area. Zafir was shot in the chest. Rani Abu Ali was shot and killed by Israeli police after he carried out a car ramming attack that left an Israeli soldier injured. Ra'id al Nasan was shot and killed by Israeli forces during confrontations between Israeli forces and local residents in the village of al mugayir which erupted following an Israeli army raid on the town. The Israeli army initially claimed that forces shot at al-Nassan after he threw a Molotov cocktail at soldiers. Video footage released after his killing, however, showed that he was running away after throwing rocks at Israeli forces when he was shot. Neither al-Nassan nor those around him had Molotov cocktails. Mohammed Badarno was shot and killed by Israeli forces during a military raid on the town of Yabad in Janin. Armed clashes reportedly broke out following the raid. Mohammed al-Sadi and Naim al-Zubayidi were shot and killed during a raid on the Janin refugee camp by Israeli special forces. The raid sparked armed confrontations with local armed resistance groups. Both al-Saadi and al-Zubaydi were fighters with the Janine Brigade. Amar Mefla was shot and killed by an Israeli border police officer in what was described by witnesses as an execution. Mafleh, whose killing was caught on camera, was shot at point-blank range by an Israeli border police officer after a scuffle, in which Israeli forces claimed Mafleh charged at them with a knife. When Israeli border police attempted to detain Meffle, he was filmed fighting back, grabbing the automatic rifle of one of the officers and throwing it to the ground, at which point the officer pulled out his handgun and shot Mifle several times. Mifle's body was detained by Israeli forces and was released to his family for burial weeks later on December 29. Omar Mana was shot and killed during an Israeli night raid on the Bethlehem area deyashay refugee camp. Israeli forces were raiding the camp to arrest local residents, including Mana's brother. Mujahid al-Najjar, a resident of the Ramallah-area town of Silwad, was shot and killed by Israeli forces near the village of Deir Dibwan following a days-long manhunt for the fighter. Al-Najjar had carried out several shooting operations targeting the illegal Israeli settlement of Ofra, as well as military checkpoints outside Ramallah had been evading Israeli forces for days before he was shot. Tariq al-Damaj, Sidki Zakarne, and Ada Shalabi were killed during an Israeli military operation on Janine, targeting armed resistance groups and fighters in the area. During the early dawn hours, undercover Israeli special forces intelligence units and the army targeted resistance fighters Zakarne and al-Damaj as they were sitting in a vehicle Reportedly belonging to Damaj near a coffee shop located just outside Jenin refugee camp. According to eyewitnesses, Zakarne and al Damaj did not engage in armed confrontation with the Israeli forces when they were shot, causing many to deem the targeted operation an assassination. Meanwhile, Shalabi, a laborer from the town of Kabatiya in Jenin, was shot during the assassination mission while he was heading to work. Dia al-Ramawi was shot and killed near an Israeli military tower located between the villages of Abud and Deir Abu Mashal, northwest of Ramallah. Al-Ramawi, a resident of the village of Bayat-Rima, was with four other young Palestinians who were also injured by Israeli forces live fire. Jana Zakarne was shot with three bullets while she was on the roof of her home in Jenin as Israeli forces invaded the area to conduct an arrest operation. The teenager's body was found on the rooftop by her neighbors after the military withdrew from the area. The two brothers, Muhammad and Mohanad Matir, were run over and killed by an Israeli settler near Nablus. The two brothers were from Kalandiyah refugee camp near occupied Jerusalem. Tamir Nashardi was injured with an explosive device earlier in December, coming to his wounds on December 19 in Ramallah's Ishtashari Hospital. He is from the Janine refugee camp and was a member of a local resistance group in the camp. Nasser Abu Hmeid, founder of the Al-Aqsa Martyrs Brigade in the Second Intifada, had been suffering from cancer and denied proper medical care. Since January of this year, he has been in need of medical care but Israeli authorities continued to refuse it before he finally succumbed to the cancer. Abud Humayez is from the Al-Amari refugee camp in Ramallah. Ahmad Derogme was shot and killed with Israeli gunfire during armed confrontations as the army invaded Joseph's tomb in Nablus, a flashpoint for settler invasions in Palestinian confrontation. A soccer player and athlete, Derogme, is from Tubas. In total, 53 Palestinians were killed inside the Gaza Strip this year, according to the Palestinian Ministry of Health. At least two other residents of Gaza were killed in the occupied West Bank and were thus included in the West Bank and East Jerusalem list. The vast majority of those killed inside Gaza were killed during Operation Breaking Dawn, Israelis' three day offensive on Gaza, in early August. During the three-day Israeli assault on Gaza between August 5 to 7, 2022, now known as Operation Breaking Dawn, 49 Palestinians were killed, including 17 children. Since the end of fighting, the Mondeweiss team identified every airstrike conducted by the Israeli air forces and undertook the project of memorializing the Palestinians who were martyred in the Israeli attack, including interviewing many of their families. While Israeli airstrikes were still ongoing in Gaza, moving from place to place became a deadly mission, and even venturing outside of your home could expose you to deliberate and indiscriminate Israeli bombing. The Israeli military regarded anything that moved on the ground to be a legitimate target, and many of the deaths reported during this invasion were of people sitting in front of their homes, most of them non-combatants, according to Weiss's documentation. This latest round has led many in Gaza to conclude that, quote, there is no such thing as security when you're living under occupation in Gaza. According to Saleh Tarawi, the father of a 30-year-old martyr killed in the recent airstrikes. Whether you're sheltering in your home hoping to survive the war, or fighting Israel on the front lines, you're going to be killed either way. Homes in Gaza are more dangerous than battlefields. Tarawi lost his daughter while she was sheltering in place in her home. The following is a profile of each person killed during the offensive. Those killed have been listed to correspond with the day and time they were killed and location of the airstrike that killed them. Alaka Doom recently celebrated her graduation from kindergarten and her parents say she was excited about starting first grade at the end of the month. She had already prepared her school bag, pencils, and notebooks. Allah belongs to a family of six members and is the oldest of her four siblings. Her father, Abdullah Kadum was critically wounded in the same airstrike. The Al-Shuja'iyah mosque is only about 50 meters away from her home. On Friday afternoon, Allah was with her father on her way to her grandparents' house when the airstrike targeted her father and family relative, Yusif. Imad Shala is the Muzin of Al-Shuja'i Mosque and the head of a family of six. According to his family, he spent much of his time at the mosque cleaning and organizing the place for the local congregation. The mosque was only a few dozen meters away from his family's home. Before he was killed, Imad had been waiting on a payment of financial aid from the Social Affairs Ministry in Gaza, so that he could help pay for eye treatments for his 19-year-old son, Muhammad, who suffers from health issues in his retina. Ahmad was sitting on the steps of the mosque when the Israeli airstrike targeted two people, one who was killed, Yusuf Kadum, and one who was critically injured, Abdullah Kadum, outside the mosque. Ahmad was killed after he was struck with shrapnel from the bomb. Yusuf Kadoum 2002, Israel killed his father, Salman, at the same age of 24. Yusuf is a graphic designer and worked to support his mother alongside his only brother, Hussam, who works as a driver. He also used to design many of the posters and banners for PIJ in Gaza City. Locals and family members told Mondo Weiss that he was very involved in his local community and that at every event in his neighborhood, he was the first one to offer help. While affiliated with PIJ, Yusef was not armed or engaged in combat when he was killed. Taysir al-Jabari was a leader of the PIJ in northern Gaza. Such leaders often keep their personal information secret even from their own relatives. There is no known address for him, and people do not talk about them for their families or their families in order to avoid revealing details. Their families do not appear to the public most of the time. He was targeted in a residential area close to his home in the Al-Ramal neighborhood in Gaza City. Ahmad Mazen Azam got engaged only three days before his death and his wedding was scheduled to take place in September. He was so happy and satisfied with the new life he was about to experience, his father Mazen told Mondawais, Ahmad had been working nonstop with construction workers on the flat that he was going to settle into with his wife once they got married. Ahmad is one of 11 family members. He was a construction worker and worked at different construction sites most days of the week. His family said one of his biggest wishes was to build a family of his own and to provide them with a good future. He dreamed about becoming a father. He loved kids and looked forward to playing with his own one day, Mazen continued. He was killed by an Israeli airstrike on Friday east of Gaza City on the border between Israel and the Al-Zaytun area at a PIJ military site. Salama Muharib Abed was the father of four kids and was described as humble, kind, and beloved. He studied accounting but decided to become a resistance fighter with the PIJ. He is a well-known Islamic Jihad leader in Gaza and was revered by many for dedicating his life to struggling against Israeli occupation. He was targeted east of Al-Shuja'iyah while he was on duty with the Al-Quds Brigades, the PIJ's military wing. Muhammad Hassan al-Bayak, a father of three daughters and a son, was a beloved member of his family of ten. His mother Yasmin told Weiss that he never said a single word to hurt anybody. Muhammad was described as very kind to his friends, neighbors, and family, someone who could always put a smile on the faces of his family members. Last time he left home, I felt something different about him. He hugged us as he told us goodbye. My heart sank that day, realizing he wouldn't come back home, Yasmin said. Muhammad was killed in an Israeli airstrike targeting PIJ military site in Khan's Yunus. Muhammad Ahmad al-Madun was a member of a family of eight. He worked as a construction worker to help provide for his family who mostly relied on financial support from the Social Affairs Ministry in Gaza. His mother told Mondo Weiss that he would spend his free time with her and woke her up every morning for morning prayers and breakfast together. He was killed in an Israeli airstrike on a PIJ military site in Beit Lahia. Doniana Adnan al-Imor was one of 11 family members. She was a promising painter and used painting as a way to distract herself from the bombs that fell on Gaza during Israeli offensives over the course of her young life, her family said. Doniana chose to wear the niqab, a full-face veil, for religious reasons. Her father declined to provide a photo of her, saying she chose to cover her face when she was alive, so he wanted to honor her wishes in death. Doniana was with her brothers when they were crossing a street near the border area on the outskirts of Khan Yunis, when an Israeli airstrike targeted a nearby PIJ site. Her six brothers were injured in the strike but survived. Leon Mesle al Shayir, 11 years old. Leon was a smart, beautiful girl and one of a family of eight. Her father, Mohsen, described her as ambitious and funny and said she had a bright future in her eyes. Her family and the family of her uncle piled into a vehicle to go for a family trip to the beach when an airstrike targeted a nearby P.I.J. site in Khan's Eunice. Leon was critically injured in her head and suffered severe brain damage. Four of her cousins were also injured. Her story was shared widely on social media with photos of her performing Dabke, a form of traditional Palestinian dance, and one of her favorite activities. Leon was transferred to a hospital in Jerusalem for treatment and passed away one week after she was injured. Naama Hamed Abu Qaeda Naama was a mother of seven children and prided herself on taking care of her kids. Saturday was her son's wedding day. She was on her way to go pick up her son's bride from her home, a customary tradition in Palestinian weddings. She was in the car when an Israeli airstrike targeted the vehicle she rode in, along with her husband, kids, and several relatives. Six people were injured, including four children. Naama's granddaughter, 10-year-old Hanin, was also killed. It is a memory of pain stuck in my heart. The day that was supposed to be my wedding day turned out to be my mother's funeral, her son Akram said. Hanin Walid Abu Qaida age 10, was the eldest of two daughters in her family of five. She was an excellent student and loved going to school. She was wearing her best clothes, and her mom even let her put on a little bit of makeup to celebrate her uncle Akram's wedding day when the Israeli airstrike hit them. Hanin was hospitalized for four days after sustaining critical wounds to her leg and back. She succumbed to her wounds on August 9. Quote, Everything beautiful in my life is gone, her father, Walid said. When they told me she passed away, I died too. Tamim Ghassan Hijazi is a journalism graduate student, but was also unemployed and struggled to find work in Gaza's job market. He belongs to a family of eight members and mostly worked on jobs to help support his family. He often volunteered at the municipality in Khan Yunus in the hopes of eventually landing a full time job as a government employee. His dreams finally came true when he was called for an exam and interview by the municipality to work in the media department. He was supposed to start on Sunday, but he was killed the day before. Tamim was riding a motorcycle along with his friend Osama al Suri when they were both killed by an Israeli airstrike targeting their motorcycle in Khan Yunus. His family said he was a member of P.I.J. but was unarmed when he was killed. Osama Abdul Rahman Al Suri. Osama was married with no children and was a member of a family of eight. He was described by his family as a proud freedom fighter who chose to struggle against the occupation and put everything on the line to achieve freedom. Osama was moving in the streets of Khan Yunus on his motorcycle. His brother Moaz said he left home prepared to fight back against the Israeli offensive. He chose that path and he stuck to it, Moaz said. He was riding a motorcycle along with Tamim when an Israeli airstrike targeted and killed them both. Locals said that Osama was leaving a nearby Islamic Jihad location. Fadil Mustafa Zorab is a father of three kids and worked with his brother selling seasonal vegetables to support his family. If anyone asks him for something he owns, even a valuable thing to him, he would give it without hesitation, his father Mustafa said fondly. His family told Weiss that when people came to him at the market and wanted some vegetables but did not have cash to pay, Fadil gave them what they needed for free. We are proud that Fadil, our son, died as a hero, as a martyr, and we will follow his path, Mustafa said. Fadil was killed by an Israeli airstrike at the local vegetable market in Khan Yunus. He was sitting on a chair in the market when an airstrike killed another unarmed person crossing the area. Anas Khalid Nishasi was a member of a nine-person family and was a taxi driver in Khan Yunus. He worked to support his family and he hoped one day to make enough money to get married and start his own family. He was also an active athlete and was involved in the local weightlifting community. He was well known and liked amongst his friends at the gym, his family said. Anas was injured in the same airstrike that killed Fadil Zorab. He was crossing through the market when the airstrike hit. He was hospitalized for a week and succumbed to his wounds. On August 12, Hassan Muhammad Mansur was a fighter with the Leftist Democratic Front for the Liberation of Palestine, DFLP Party, and was killed when he and his friend were targeted east of Jabalia in northern Gaza. Hassan was reportedly trying to fire a mortar shell from an open area when he was targeted by the strike. His friends survived and called Hassan's mother for help after they were targeted. She arrived to find Hassan was dying, where he died in her arms. Hassan is survived by his wife Amal and two young children, one-year-old Kais and three-year-old Misk. The two children and their mother now live at their grandmother's house. Hassan was fondly remembered by his family and the people in his neighborhood. Many of his neighbors considered him like a brother and remembered his kindness, saying that he would always help anyone who needed it. His wife, Amal, told Mondo Weiss that she was proud of her husband for fighting back against the Israeli occupation. She said she will raise her kids and tell them that their father was a freedom fighter and died fighting for his country. Ahmad Walid al-Faram is the eldest son of a family of seven He was killed in the Jabila refugee camp alongside six other people while they were in the streets. His father told Mondewice that there is deep sadness and pain in my heart, but I must stay as firm as I can to give my family strength. His father works as a day laborer in Israel and was stuck in Israel due to closed checkpoints when his son was killed. Ahmad was buried before his father could return to Gaza. It is really painful that I could not see him before he was buried, his father said. Mohammed Ibrahim Zakot is one of seven family members. He was injured with live ammunition in his leg at the age of 15 during Gaza's Great March of Return and lived with platinum in his leg ever since. After his injury, Mohammed was inspired to study nursing as he wanted to help people who also suffered from injuries in Gaza. He was sitting in the street with his friend Khalil who was also killed in the same explosion. Muhammad's brother Allah hurried into the street after he heard the bomb and found Muhammad lying injured in the street, saying his final Shahada, a testament of faith that Muslims profess before they die. Allah said that Muhammad tried to say his name, but couldn't get the words out before he passed away. Khalil Abul Hamada was was his parents' only child, who struggled for 13 years with IVF treatments in order to conceive. When they finally had him, it was like a dream come true. His grieving mother, Najwa, told Weiss, He's the only one who calls me Mom, and now he's gone. I will never hear that word again. Najwa said she dreamed of the day Khalil would once get married and have children of his own, so that she could grow her family and become a grandmother. But now all those dreams are gone forever, she said. Nafeth Muhammad al Khatib is a father of seven, the eldest twenty four and the youngest four years old. Nafeth was a taxi driver and often struggled to make ends meet for his family in Gaza's poor economic conditions. He worked only to bring food to his family and always did, Nafeth's father, Mohammed Tolmando Weiss. Following his death, his wife and children are struggling to find a way to carry on. One of his sons is in Algeria studying medicine. Nefeth used to send him money for his studies in the hope that once his son became a doctor, the family would have a better source of income. Nefeth's brothers said that they can barely support their families under Gaza's current conditions, so with Nefeth gone, they are going to face difficulties in supporting his widow and children. Ahmad Muhammad al-Nirab, age 12, and Momin Muhammad al-Nirab, age 6. Muhammad al-Nirab is father of two boys, Ahmad and Momin, and two girls. When the bomb exploded in Jabila refugee camp, he lost both of his boys. In a moment, he said half of his family was gone. Everything they asked for, the two boys got, said Mohammed, the boy's father, adding that he always wanted to spoil his kids and give them the best things in life that he could. Momin was getting ready to go to school for the first time this year, and his brother, Ahmed, was excited to accompany his brother to school for the first time. Ahmed died one day before his birthday. He was waiting to get a bicycle for his present, and I was going to bring him one, Muhammad said. They both died in front of my eyes. Muhammad said he had gone out with the boys to get some falafel for dinner for the family. They were almost back home. Moman was by his side, and Ahmad was a few meters ahead of them when the bomb exploded. The bomb turned everything black for more than 10 minutes no one could move after the smoke disappeared i found momen laying down on his face on the ground he had died immediately due to shrapnel in his neck Mohammed accounted adding that he saw an injured ahmad lying a few meters away from them i was screaming unconsciously holding my bleeding sons in my arms trying to get him to a hospital i ran for a whole kilometer before i found a car carrying many of the injured to a hospital, Muhammad said. He put his sons in the car and jumped in another vehicle to go to the hospital. When he arrived, he found Ahmed and Momin, but they were covered in white cloth and laid out among the dead. Hazm Muhammad Salem, aged nine, was an active boy in his neighborhood and was beloved by his family, friends, and neighbors, who always opened their homes to him. He was considered a son of all the families in the camp he was sitting in the street with some of his friends when the bomb hit the street all of his friends were injured but survived he is also survived by six of his family members Khalid Mansour was a husband and father of 13 children in an interview with Al Jazeera his daughter described him as a loving man who loved playing with his kids and found joy in cooking for his family Khalid was the leader of Islamic Jihad in southern Gaza. He was killed by an Israeli airstrike that targeted a building in a residential area of Rafa, where Mansour and other PIJ leaders were reportedly meeting at the time. Zaid Aman al-Mudalal was Khalid Mansour's right-hand man and was also a leader of PIJ in Rafa. He is survived by his wife and two children, Tala and Ahmad. Rafat Saleh al zamili was also a PIJ leader in Rafa and was killed alongside his colleagues, al Mudallal and Mansur. Alaa Saleh Al-Tarwi was a wife and a mother of a three-year-old child. She and her family rent a home in the Shoth neighborhood of Rafa. She was killed when an airstrike targeted the building where they lived, destroying her family's apartment. She was crushed beneath the apartment complex. According to Allah's family, her body was torn apart by the strike and they had to dig through the rubble for five days only to find some parts of her body. What sin did an innocent person like my daughter do to be killed in such a way, her father said. Muhammad Iyad Hasuna, age 14, was a schoolboy beloved in the neighborhood and among his peers. He was seeking shelter with his family in their home which was in the apartment complex next to the home of Khalid Mansour, targeted in the airstrike. His family of six were all injured in the strike, and his father, Iyad, is still in the hospital. Iyad has undergone 14 surgeries to remove shrapnel from his body, and has had two of his toes amputated. Ismail Abdel Hamid Dwayek was recently engaged, and his family of eight were preparing for his wedding. He had been working hard to secure his own home so he could have a fresh start for his new family. His family said that he never really wanted to get married despite all the family and societal pressure until he met Abir Harb and fell in love with her and asked his mother to arrange for the engagement. Ismail and his mother, Hana, were killed in the same strike that targeted the building where Mansur and his colleagues were meeting. He was found in the rubble, embracing his mother, trying to protect her. Hana Ismail Dwayik was a mother of six. On the day she was killed, her husband Abdul Hamid had asked her if she wanted to visit one of their son's homes nearby, but she said she wanted to stay at home and get some rest. Abdul Hamid and his other children were out of the house when the Israeli airstrike hit their home with only Hana and his son Ismail inside. Abdul Hamid told Weiss that at the time he didn't know that Ismail had gone home and thought he was still with his friends. After learning of the airstrike, Abdullah rushed home with the hopes that he would find his wife still alive, but he was shocked to find both his wife and son, Ismail, dead. Nor Hussein Zwaidi was a young man who was described as boisterous and loved to joke around, always making people laugh wherever he went. Noor had recently been unsuccessful in completing high school and had decided to work to help his family of six. He was sitting in an open-air space on his family street just five meters away from his home, along with his neighbor when an airstrike hit the street, killing them both. His father, Hussein, told Mondo Weiss that Noor wanted some fresh air and to get out of the heat inside the house after the neighborhood lost power. So he went outside to sit with his neighbor, Ibrahim. Hussein had been chatting with both of them through the window when the airstrike hit. Ibrahim Abu Salah was a husband and father of five kids he was sitting with his young neighbor Noah to try to get some fresh air when he was killed his morning family was left behind in poverty and sadness after losing their father he was their primary source of income and was the person who put food on their table now the family has no one to take care of them he was our supporter i was always pushing him to go out and get food for the family and he listened sometimes he would come back with something and other times he wasn't as successful but he was there to share with me the responsibility of the family. Now I wondered to whom I should go to get my family food, his wife, Najwa Shahad, told Mondo Weiss. Diazohair al Borai suffered from a physical disability after he was injured in 2018 during Gaza's Great March of Return. He had undergone over 30 surgeries on his leg and foot that shortened it by seven centimeters due to severe bone damage. He spent the last three years on medical trips between Turkey and Egypt and was on a list to undergo another surgery in September. Despite his disability, his family said he worked hard and used to sell some fruits and vegetables near his home to help make money. Dia owned a dog who who he treated like his best friend. His dog was also killed in the airstrike. He is survived by his parents and four siblings. Aman Muhammad Afana is a married man with a family of three kids, ages 7, 5, and 3. After an Israeli airstrike hits his neighborhood, Dia's home, his neighbor Diaz's home, he ran to his aid to try and help. While he was helping, the house collapsed on top of him, killing him. His father described him as a faithful, patient, kind, and shy person with good manners, remarking that he was proud that his son died while trying to help people. Jamil Ehab Najim, aged 13, was the oldest of four siblings and was described as a social boy who used to love accompanying his father to work. He dreamed of one day becoming a doctor. If you saw him even once, you would love him, Ehab, Jamil's father, told Mondo Weiss. Ehab had gone to the supermarket and left his kids and their cousins at home, warning them to stay inside to avoid any potential dangers as Israeli bombs were still being dropped on Gaza. Jamil and his cousins, bored from being stuck inside in the heat all day, decided to go to the nearby cemetery where their late grandfather was buried after the power cut out. It wasn't far from home and was the only open and safe place for the kids to play and spend time outside. When the bomb fell, my wife started screaming, not knowing yet what had happened or where the bomb had dropped, Ahabra counted. Ahabra ran to the cemetery where a number of the neighbors had gathered, I immediately rushed to the place where my family and neighbors had gathered, looking for my son. I recognized part of his T-shirt and instantly knew that he had been there. I started to collect his body parts. Our sons were targeted in front of our eyes and we collected their parts with our own hands, he said. Jamil Najim al-Din Najim, age six was a member of a family of four and was supposed to start first grade this year. He had gone with his cousins to the cemetery to visit visit their grandfather's grave when he was killed. Hamed Hidar Najim, age 17, set off with his cousins to the cemetery as they often did to try and get some fresh air with no consideration that they might get killed after all the cemetery was supposed to be a safe place. Hamed is one of six family members and was supposed to start Tawjiya, his secondary school final exams, in the upcoming year. Muhammad Salan Najim, aged 17, was excited about starting his final year of high school next month along with his cousin, Hamed. His family of seven described him as an excellent young man with great manners who was loved by everyone in the neighborhood. He had gone to the cemetery with his cousins to escape the heat after the power cut, when the airstrike hit them. Nathmi Fai's Abu Karash, age 17, was a friend and neighbor of the Najim boys and often joined them at the cemetery. He was one of a family of 11 and was a promising football player. Ismail, his 23-year-old brother, had also accompanied Nathmi and the other boys to the cemetery, but had decided to go home just 10 minutes before the airstrike hit. Ismail told Mondo Weiss that their last conversation together had been foreboding, as the boys discussed what would happen to them if they were killed. One of the boys, Mohammed Saleh Najim, said he had a feeling he would die as a martyr. Another one of the boys, his friend, Hamad, told him, If you die, I will die too. We should be together. Nathmi had also replied, You will go and leave me alone? If we're going to die, I'm going with you. The Israeli airstrike killed them all. Mahmoud Ahmad Dawood was a traffic policeman and was on duty when an Israeli airstrike targeted the street he was working on, killing him and three others. His family was preparing a new apartment for him in their home with the hopes that he would get married and start his own family soon. I taught my son the noble morals that were given to us by Allah and he was beloved to everyone his father said. Every time I walked out of my home, people stopped me to tell me how kind and beloved man my son is, people who I didn't even know. Mahmood is one of ten family members and used to sell sweets on the street before becoming a government employee two years ago. His family said that Mahmood always encouraged his colleagues to be empathetic with people's conditions and to avoid handing out hefty traffic fines. He even used to pay for people's tickets on their behalf if they couldn't afford it. After he was killed, people came to tell his family that just moments before the airstrike, he was urging drivers and pedestrians to go home to stay out of harm's way. Abdel Rahman Juma Al Silk was killed when he was on his way home from work, passing by Omar Al Mokhtar Street, when the airstrike hit, killing him. He is survived by his parents and three siblings. Shadi Ahmad Kale was a husband and father of two kids. He had recently purchased a horse and wagon which he used to go around Gaza City to sell different goods in the hopes to secure a good income for his family. He was riding his horse and carriage on Omar al mukhtar Street when the airstrike hit, killing him. He went out to get us food, but he came back to us in his coffin, his wife Asma told Mondawais. Khalid Ayman Yassin was one of 11 family members and worked with his five brothers as street sweepers, often collecting plastic to sell for some change to the recycling units in the plastic factories in Gaza, which they did to help get food for their family. Khalid was humble and because of his family's poor economic situation, put off getting married in order not to put economic strain on the family. As a surprise, his father scraped together enough money to buy him a new bedroom set. When I told him that you should get married now and I showed him the room, he said that this is too much for him. He was very humble and simple, His father Ayman recalled. Khalid kept opening and closing the closet in disbelief. Now I am sleeping in his room, waiting for him to return. Tears were streaming down his face. Ayman also lost another son, Ismail, in Israel's offensive on Gaza in 2009. Yasser Nimer al-Nabahin is captain of Gaza's nautical police. He had an honorable career of heroism and fighting against the occupation, Yasser's son Bilal said. At the front of his home, Yasser had a garden where he used to sit with his family under the trees and would tend to the garden and water the plants with care. The home is located east of Al-Burij refugee camp, close to the borders. On Sunday, Yasser decided to go sit in his garden and received one relative visiting from the house next door. After the guest left, Yasser started watering the trees with his sons. The airstrike targeted them all. Yasser is a husband and father of eight. Half of the children, two girls and two boys, survived because they were inside the house, but one of them was injured. His son Mohammed died. Muhammad had big dreams of becoming a traveling merchant to go outside of Gaza and bring back new, exciting things to trade. He was always talked about growing up so he could work and achieve his dreams. In the summers, he would make kites and sell them to the kids in the neighborhood. He had a kind, soft heart, his older brother Bilal said. Ahmad was the youngest boy among his siblings and was described as being wise beyond his years. I always saw him as a little man. He was like a friend, Bilal said, adding that Ahmad was always defending his older brother Muhammad when he was in trouble. Even though he was youngest, he was tougher and braver than all the other brothers, he said. Dahlia had dreams of becoming a doctor, and the family used to call her the doctor of the family to encourage and support her to follow her dreams. Her brother Bilal said she was an excellent student and loved painting. She also used to help her mother around the house, while her other sisters were busy studying. She loved her family and never complained, Bilal said. Fatima Ayed Obaid, was a member of a poor family of ten. She wanted lots of things, clothes, food, and toys, but we couldn't give her everything because of our economic situation, her father Ayed said. He described her as a smart girl who loved school. She was playing outside of the family's home with her younger sister, Rama, when an Israeli airstrike hit them. Fatima died instantly, and Rama was critically injured. Rama cries and screams every day, asking about her sister. She says her sister isn't dead, and she waits for her to come back home. Yasser Atiyah al-Masri was injured during an Israeli airstrike in May 2021. He was receiving treatment in Egypt and succumbed to his wounds on June 1. Muhammad al tilbani sustained injuries from shrapnel during an Israeli airstrike in May 2021. al tilbani was affi- affiliated with the al-Qassam brigades, the military wing of the Hamas movement. He was targeted in an airstrike in, on his home that killed his pregnant wife and two daughters. Only one of his sons survived the strike. He succumbed to his wounds October 27th. Nabil Shala was injured in an Israeli airstrike on August 5 during Operation Breaking Dawn. He succumbed to his wounds on December 9. Abdelrahman Ibrahim was injured in an airstrike on August 7, 2022 during Operation Breaking Dawn. He succumbed to his wounds the next day. Five Palestinians with Israeli citizenship were killed in 2022. These are their names. Sanad Salem Harbad was shot and killed during an Israeli police raid on his hometown of Rahat in the Nakab region of southern Israel. At the time, the Israeli police claimed they fired at Harbad after being shot at during the operation, but witnesses claimed he was unarmed and was on his way to work when he was killed. Ahmed al kian was shot and killed after he carried out a stabbing that killed four people in the city of Bir al Sabe. Ibrahim and Ayman Igbariah, both residents of the Palestinian town of Um al Fam, located in northern Israel, were shot and killed after carrying out a shooting in the Israeli city of Hadera that left two Israelis dead. Isa Talakat was shot and injured by Israeli police on November 1, the night of Israeli elections. He succumbed to his wounds on November 30. Talakat is from Arara, one of the last remaining Palestinian Bedouin communities in the Nakab. That is the list of Palestinians killed in 2022, living under Israeli occupation and killed by Israeli state and settler violence. While some died committing crimes, many died resisting the crimes of occupation and all died living under the conditions of occupation. That'll wrap up this episode of You Can't Be Neutral. Uh, you can follow on Twitter at YCB Neutral. You can check out all those back episodes at YouCan'tBeNeutral.com You can also listen to this podcast and all my podcasts playing 24-7 at movingtrainradio.com.